You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Today, he's, you know, he has these tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> we're coming near to listen to him, and the uh, Pharisees uh, were offended by that. So let's start with, we get to be in a new chapter today, in Luke chapter 15, and it'll only be, uh, you know, a few more years in Luke, and then we'll, 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 move on to, we'll move on to Mark, and we'll get done with Luke, all right? But we're in chapter 15 today, and it's 15, 1 through uh, 7, so let's read, read along. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him to listen to him, that's me, and both the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And he told them this parable, what man among you, if he had a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing the sheep. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Now in the first service, I forgot the, the Pharisees and tax collectors, that this is a, we want to be clear who he's talking to, and he was responding to them as they are lost sheep. And the and they're the ones that are they're 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 the ones that claim they're righteous, but they're also lost sheep. And the sinners and tax collectors are lost sheep. And he's they think they're the flock, and that's the context of it. But that doesn't relate to me today. And so I I was thinking, you know, now now he's saying this this parable, and it's it's spoken of all over the world continually. It's one of those. Sometimes I read and I say I've never heard anyone speak on these words. And then other times it's like, this is spoke on a lot. And this one is spoke on a lot around the world. And we're going to have lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son, prodigal son. Three parables in a row that talk about the seeking out of that which is lost. And today we're talking about the lost sheep, the one sheep that wandered away from the hundredfold and the sheepfold. And it says the good shepherd, and he's already identified himself, Jesus, as the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And that's in John chapter 10. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And that's, you know, he he likens the people of God to a sheepfold. And in this verse, this parable, knowing the Pharisees know that, He's trying to tell them that they rejoice. Getting one of these sinners or tax collectors to be righteous is more important than people who think they're righteous and judging the sinners and tax collectors. But in, in our you know, context for today's church and for you and me, where we're, we're at church and we're here and we, we need to be part of the sheepfold and we... I am part of the sheepfold, and I want to figure out, you know, am I one of the 99, or am I one of the one? You know, which one are you? Are you the 99, or are you the one? And I look at the characteristics of the one, 
And I see that the one is a sheep wandering away from the sheepfold is generally by, um, you know, accident. Didn't get lost on purpose. Just started focusing on something other than what the master, the shepherd, wanted him to focus on. Began to focus on something that the other sheep weren't focused on. They were going this way, maybe. They were following the shepherd. But that this sheep, he's, he's after what he wants. He, he, he's got better grass. It's better over here. And I think about all the millions of people in this world who are churches of one. They don't need church. They don't need pastoring. They don't need shepherding. They just need, you know, they, they, just, they are good on their own. Or they just go to this church and that church and this church and that church because they never want to be tied down. And someone says to me, I have many pastors. And I said, well, the reason you have many pastors is none of them can tell you there's anything wrong. None of them can correct you because you just go to the others until you get the right answer you want. And that's just you kind of following what you want. That's kind of how the sheep gets lost. I don't think any sheep, any real sheep wants to be lost. But in my life, I've watched so many people led away by so many things. Most of them are the teachings of the world telling the sheep that this is better. No matter what the shepherd says, this is better. But don't you think this is what the shepherd meant? Don't you think this is what the shepherd would want? And the question is, then why isn't the shepherd going that way? Why isn't he leading the 99 that way? And so the one is, is identifiable as independent, you know, not dependent on the shepherd, not dependent on the flock. Then when you flip over and you look at the 99, that's a flock of sheep. That's a, that is a group that anybody who's worked with sheep in your life, anybody who's read about working with sheep in your life, anybody who's heard the stories of anything about sheep, including the slaughtering of sheep, they are absolutely comforted and addicted and they, they, they flock together. They, when something scares them, the wolf shows up, the German shepherd shows up and it's barking at them, they come together. When they run, they run together. They turn like a school of fish. They go together. And when they're really scared, they all stick their heads in together and they tighten up. And they gather together. They unify when they're afraid. And they expect the shepherd to protect them. They depend on the shepherd to take care of them. Both against the lion and the bear and the wolf. And to lead them to green pasture. To bring them to good food. To take care of them. To mend their ills and their wounds. And to take care of them. And that's the nature of, a she of, of the sheepfold. Is that it draws together. But the one gets distracted and gets led astray. And so I, you know, which are you? Are you led astray? Or is, is presence here today proof that you're part of the flock? Is the attendance to a church proof that you're, not, that you're part of the flock? Or are there philosophies and ideas of the world that have deceived you and are leading you astray and are confusing you and making you depend on something other than the sheepfold? If this were, if we change the metaphor to the ship, the ark of God, and the, and the world is flooded and everybody outside the ark dies, are, are you the one fixing the ark? Are you the one taking care of the ark because you know that the whole flock depends on this ark? If the church were an ark, a boat, are you taking care of the boat? Are you making sure the boat is strong? 
If the boat is only as strong as its weakest link, are you making sure you're strong so that your brothers and sisters, your community is protected because the weakest link, if it's you, is strong. And if the weakest link is strong, then, of course, pretty secure. Or are you just expecting their strength to cover your weakness? But I mean, what are we doing as part of the group? What metaphor do you like? Here it's sheep and the 99 that flock together and are strengthened by each other. Carry each other. I love that scene in the football movie about uh, remember the Titans. He gets up and he says, you know, they're losing at halftime. And he says, uh, you know, all year long, this coach has told them they have to be perfect. They have to be perfect. He kind of concedes at halftime, we're going to lose this game. They're better than us. And he says, well, you're not perfect. And the guy says, ah, excuse me, coach. All year long, you've told us we had to be perfect. And there ain't one of us perfect. But so far this year, together, we've been perfect. And I don't intend to end this game as anything but perfect. Us, all of us with our faults covering each other. Where one is weak, the others are strong. Where one is, one is lacking, the others have much. Where one is dumb, one is smart. One is fast, one is slow. We cover each other. We take each other. One is strong. He carries the weak. What are you, the 99 or are you the one? Well, I've been the one. I've been the one. I was raised to believe, and I did not believe. I was raised to love, and I did not love. I hated. And he came to me at an altar, a 20-second prayer, and I found him. And he took me home to the 99. Now, I didn't want to be with the 99. I never wanted to be with the church again. And hey, can't you and I just be together alone? He said, no. I'm saving my church. It's my sheepfold that I'm saving. The ones that are lost, that wandered away, they may not be taken if they're not part of the sheepfold. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they do what I say. And I look at the characteristics of the ones and I look at the characteristics of the 99. And to be a sheep is the same thing as being a disciple. It's having a shepherd. I think that this one's really out there. He bought you with a price. That means, that verse all by itself means he owns you. Paul the Apostle described it like this. My, it is no longer my life I live, but Christ who lives in me. It is my life belongs to him. We've been bought at the sheep auction or at the slave auction. Which do you like better? We have been bought with a price and that price is a cross and that cross, it was not empty forever. At one time, it had the penalty for our sins placed upon it, upon him. And we were purchased with a price to belong to a sheepfold and live in a sheep pen. And if you live in a sheep pen, are you part of keeping that sheep pen clean? Are you part of keeping that sheep pen strong? Are you part of protecting the other sheep from the wolves? Are you part of this discipleship that Jesus talks about? He said last week in the, in the, in the parable we read last week, what he said was, if you don't love me more than mother, father, brother, sister, sons, and daughters... You cannot be my disciple. 
You can't be in the sheep pen. If you don't carry the cross, deny yourself, come after me, not hold on to your possessions, you can't be. Well, in John chapter 8, 31, verse 31, let's read that. He says to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. We've got those verses that said you cannot be. Now we've got you truly are if you continue in my word. What I would call that is the words of Jesus, not the words of anyone else. Jesus was born a baby, lived 33 years on the earth, and was killed. He rose from the dead, and still we see him writing letters to churches in Revelation, and he's going to come in the clouds, and it's his words, no one else's, that he's talking about. If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. It very specifically draws all the communication of God on earth down to the very specific communication in the red letters in this Bible. That's all we have left is the red letters in the Bible. I've got bad news. He's not walking the earth today to do any more sermons on the mount. He's not going into any temples and tearing them down. He's just telling you what he did. He's telling you what he's saying. And he's expecting you to truly abide, remain, be connected to the words that he spoke. And it's his words that will save you. And so John 8.31 said, If you abide in my words, remain in my words. What the Father said on the mountain, this is my son, listen to him. If you abide in my words, then you are truly my disciple. That would mean you're one of the 99. You're not the self-righteous 99 of the Pharisees. You're truly one of his flock that the good shepherd has. Uh, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the evidence. You go into a sheep pen and you got 20 sheep and then you come over here and there's a German shepherd and then there's a poodle and then there's a dachshund and you say, well, they're all sheep, aren't they? No, they don't have the characteristics of sheep. Get those sheep, those dogs out of here. These are not sheep. It's clear what it looks like. How do you pick the sheep from the dogs? How do you pick the sheep from the goats? He also told us that in Matthew 25. They'll be gathered together, all meshed in together, but he's going to separate them. I was hungry and you fed me not, kind of thing. You understand? He's going to separate the dogs from the sheep. He's going to separate the goats from the sheep. The sheep will be known by everybody. He doesn't even have to do it. And what did that say? By their love for one another. You'll know them. You'll know that's a sheep of my pastor, a disciple of mine, if they're abiding in my word, loving one another. He says in, uh, um, oh, what's that? Um, new command I give you. Where is that? <laughs> John fifteen fourteen is it? Oh, I just read that. If you, if you are my friends, you do what I command you. And he just said what he commands you. To love one another. He's, he says, that, this is my commandment. A new commandment I give to you. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's really clear what Jesus is saying. In John 13, 34 and 35. 
a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even if I have loved you, that you also love one another. I mean, this is like, it couldn't be clearer, yet the world is simply telling you that there's every other way on earth to be right with God and to be part of this. And I'm going to remind you, there's only one way to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You don't have a prayer of being part of His kingdom if you are not coming through Jesus. There's only two covenants offered to man, and you better choose the right one, which is the new covenant. And the new covenant is 100% through Jesus. And He gives one command. And He says there's clear evidence if you're one of those or not. And it isn't that you call yourself a Christian. It isn't that you attend church. It is that you abide in Him. That His words abide in you. See, I've heard a billion times that you, we've decided as a church that if you come forward and you say a prayer and I dunk you in water, you're saved. And that just isn't what believe means. It's, the Bible says what He says is believe and you'll be saved. So then I think, what does believe mean to you? Does it matter what believe means to you? No! The only thing that matters is what believe means to Him. And I've just spelled that out very clearly, that believe is loving one another more than yourself. It's the throne I told you about last week. It's the what you do, the carrying of your cross, the denying of yourself, the letting go of your possessions, the using your talents and your gifts to build His kingdom and to take care of His people and to feed Him when He's hungry and take care of Him when He's thirsty and naked and in prison and, and sick and, and taking care of Jesus by taking care of the least of these, my brethren. I don't know that it could be any clearer. I don't know how to preach any other message because there's, because there's only one way by which men can be saved. There's only one name and there's only one name that men will, all, every knee will bow to. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. And He says... It's the words I say that will save you. And the things He taught us is that the only way to be acceptable to, to God is to make Him your Father and be dependent on Him as a child. This is the teaching from beginning to end. This is what He was taking grown fishermen, tax collectors, and other people. He was taking them and trying to teach them as grown men to be children of God by teaching him these very examples, making these very points, that one of them was a rich, two, at least two of them were rich men. Told them they had to give up all their possessions. They had a decision to make. And he's saying, this is the way to the Father. And there's this huge pressure, peer pressure to be part of the one. To make sure you're taken care of. Look to your future. Look to your benefits. Look to your wages. Hey, you've got the gifts and talents. Those were for you. That is, there's nothing in here. Everything in here would have to be untrue for that what I just said to be true. That it's your benefits. Your talents and gifts were given to you for your benefit. That would make the whole New Testament incorrect. It would be a lie. And yet that is what the church sides on all the time. That's where the church goes i got to take care of numero uno. Favorite pastor I've ever had in my life. Push the Bible, or 
tapped the Bible and said to me, your number one job is to, take, to feed your wife and family. I was so shocked by the statement because I'd read it. I knew that wasn't true. I said, could you show me that in the Bible? Can you show me that in the New Covenant? I just, would you please? I mean, I loved him more than any other man I'd ever, I trusted him. And he just like looked at it and went, oh. I said, I think my number one job is to love the Lord my God and give my, lay my life down for my neighbors. And he'll take care of my family. If I, if I love him and serve him, he'll take care of my family. I, I think my number one job is part of it is to trust him like he's my father. And, and I never did have to worry if my father was going to have food on the table. I never had to worry if my mother was making me dinner or not. Hey, is mom making dinner or not? I mean, we got to eat these acorns or what? Never, we got to kill a squirrel and gut it and cook it because we don't know if mom and dad are going to feed us or not. We never had to ask that question. And my number one job is getting my, my worldly mind that's been deceived by the world system and seduced by this peer pressure to believe that it's all up to me to feed me and take care of me and to look to my future. There's a 70 years plan, you know, promised to me on earth, and I've used most of that up. And I might get a few more. I don't know. I hope so. I, I like it here. But then it's over. Once it's over, it's over. Now it's an eternity. So you can think of this long rope. I don't know why we're going here, but there's this long, a rope so long you can't even see the ends of it. That's eternity. And your life is these two paper clips clipped, clipped to the rope that are this far apart. And eternity is, is forever. And you're worried about what's going on in this little tiny thing. This big, when eternity is a rope that you can't even see the end of. And we're so concerned with what we have and what we don't have in this little, tiny, tiny, little thing called our 70 years. And it's like the whole world is deceiving. It's the same way with this, all the problems I see in counseling, all the, all the complaints people have about their lives, all the struggles everybody's have with, should they do this or should they do that? And you know, if I do that, I won't have any for me. And, and my kids are going to, I mean, the whole, all the worries of the world, let's call it. And it's like, have you even met Jesus yet? I mean, I don't even know if you know Jesus when you have all those things. It's like, do you even know him? Have you, or, or you just don't believe him? You do know him, but you don't believe him. I'm not sure you know him. In them. I, I'm not sure you can even not believe him if you know him. If you know him, you're going to believe him. What you're probably believing in is what you've been told by the world system, by the church system. Because there is no worries for the person who knows Jesus and walks with him. You cast your cares on him. And his burden is light. His yoke is easy. His way is good. We follow him and he takes care of us. He knows, he knows every sparrow. He knows every hair. Don't you know your heavenly father will take care of you? What are you worrying about tomorrow for? Why do you worry about what you'll eat and what you'll drink and what you'll wear and where you'll live? Why do you worry about all these things? I mean, can you hear what you, can you hear the words of Jesus? Have you read it? This is what he's saying in here. And, I, and people come in the, it's like, here's, here's, listen, I wrote this down, so I want to read it correctly. So, um, we let what the world doesn't see control the outcome of our lives. See, I can see heaven around me. I can see the hand of God in my life. I can give everything away and say, I live like a king giving everything away. See, I can see Jesus' hand in my life. The world can't see anything of Jesus' hand in my life. The world can't see what I'm trusting in. It's invisible to them. 
I can testify of his incredible faithfulness, and they can't even see it. And when I let the world decide what I'll give, when I let my, my, my bottom line decide what I can do, or my health decide what I can give away, if I let my age determine who I'll be, I'm letting the world decide how my life's going to turn out. If I just trust Him and don't let the world tell me, I'm probably going to be a really happy sheep locked in together with the other sheep. I know for a fact I will be dependent. I'm going to need you. You know I'm ne I need you. And I know you need me. And if I take myself away from you because I'm worried about what I lose if I get connected to you, you just want all of my stuff. You want everything from me. I can't give you enough. You just take and take and take. People, I'm getting, you, know, you see where I'm going? I'm just, you know, you guys, you take care of yourself. You see that? That's the, she, that's the one. That's the nature of the one. But I was hungry and you fed me not. When was that? Well, when the least of these, your brethren, that guy that came up to you, that guy that was in your church and he was just struggling, he was trying to do it right, but I gave you the talent to help him fill his bowl. Oh, well, then I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing this and moving in like the sheep do, like fighting their way in, getting tight. The way they do, they cuddle up when things get dangerous. When things get worrisome, they cuddle up. They draw strength from each other. They take care of each other. We let the world determine from a point where they can't see anything. They can't see the cross. They can't. Uh, there's a veil over their eyes. The Bible says there's a veil over their eyes. They can't see and we're getting advice from them. I had this guy on the Christian counselor on the radio who teaches giving. Telling this lady, she, he actually used the word an idiot for giving more than 10% away. I'm like, that's a Christian? That's Christian advice? You must not have seen Jesus. I don't know that you could possibly know Jesus and think that. I know you can't believe these red letters and believe that. You can't believe what he's saying and think that. He's teaching us how to believe. You and I would rather do the English thing, the, the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. No place like home. No place like home. I believe. That's not belief. Belief is when you give what you need away and you say, no, I'm not worried. My Father in heaven knows every hair on my head. Now that's belief. When you go the extra mile and you turn the other cheek and you love your enemies... And you do it because you can see the plan of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. You can see what the flock looks like. You can hear the voice of the Master. You can hear the shepherd's call. See, you're all mixed in with the world and they never worried about their sheep getting mixed in, you know, because they had a call. They simply made their call and their sheep came out of the crowd. When a shepherd left town, he got his supplies, he's leaving town. His sheep are all mixed in. He just makes his call. Whoop, 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 whoop. And his sheep know that call and they follow him. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. See, they knew what he was talking about. He, his, he didn't have to count them. Is there really a hundred or is one left behind? 
No, every sheep heard his call and followed him. And the next shepherd came out and made his call, which was whatever. And the sheep followed him. Sheep know their master's call. And I think that what I see out there is a lot of people that, not out here, out there. I see a lot of people that don't know their master's call. Actually, here at the Father's House, I've never seen such faithful, incredible, giving people in my 47 years of ministry. And I didn't tell them that. I told you that. You're the only ones I've ever told that to. You're the best group of people I've ever seen. Best group of sheep following after Jesus. And I'm just telling you, if you keep reading these words of Jesus, a lot of you are addicted to reading all kinds of other things. And I'm not telling you not to. I'm saying you better read this ten times for every time you read that other stuff once. This is the key to the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's anyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Act upon what Jesus says. Let your house be built on the rock. Let joy be your, your what everybody knows you for. It be your rear guard. Be be, be the, the, the army that goes in front of you is joy. Your weapon is joy. Let you be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the grace of God so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what people see on you. Someone who goes through fire, goes through storm, goes through things, and their house stands, their joy stands, their peace in God, their knowledge that He's their Father in heaven is what is on their lips and in their life and what's evident when you look at them. Are you following me? He's been playing for a while. You know what that means. I got to stop. But I'll be brief. No. You know what that means. Okay. Listen, we sung a song. It says he's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. <coughs> he's light in the darkness. He's a heart toucher, a heart mender. These are the things we said in the song. I got to tell you, if you know him, you know those things about him. He's a way maker. I can't tell you how many times I've looked forward to going, I have no idea how this is going to work out. How many times in my life I've just been destitute with nothing, looking at this crumbled mess around me, the world system crumbling around me. How will this affect me? No, no, no. I have a flock. I have the 99 with me. And we are tight. And He's bringing the 100 with, with us. He's bringing the lost sheep in. And we're going to have a tight... We're going we're gonna to be okay because we're together. And the whole world be against us. The Lord is for us. For we have a Father in heaven. And our prayer is our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed and revered and honored is Your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Here on earth, just like it is in heaven. You getting to see what I'm trying to say? I feel like I was spinning in circles with the first service. I think I got it straight this time. I think we got it. We need this. The good shepherd. My shepherd's the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. If you're convicted about these cannot be my disciple and what it means to be my disciple you know there's a million places will tell you different than I just told you and that's up to you 
But if Jesus is right, and I think he is, I think he knows, who is his disciple and who isn't? Who's saved and who isn't? I thought I was saved when I went to an altar, said a 20-second prayer. I said I was saved. They told me I was saved. But I found out by reading Jesus that I am being saved, that I'm in the process of salvation, of sanctification. But what I really am is I'm a man in love. I met Jesus and fell in love and gave my life and never took it back. I was a lost sheep. When he brought me home, I said, baby, don't get it. ever get lost again. Don't pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. Pay attention to what he wants you to pay attention to. When he says, let we're going this way, he makes his call, follow him. He's not the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I don't know better than him. I'm going with him. I'm going with him. You follow me? And it cost me every all my talents. If my talents got to be used for other people, if my life's got to be laid down for other people. No greater love. If I've got to that's my life, then then it's gonna be really good for me because that little tiny piece of eternity, if that's my life, is a proving ground for the rest that you can't even see the end of. <clears throat> I hope you understood all that. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, close you out now. I'm only eight minutes over. We got we could we could spare another eight minutes, couldn't we? No, I'm not gonna make you. Let's worship the Lord. Let's close. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray, and then we'll worship Him for a minute. And then I'm going to pray for physical healing for anybody that wants it. Prayer. And we have had amazing testimonies of healing. People whose lives have been changed by healing. And so I'm just going to keep doing it. And that will be right here in the middle. If you want to come forward and seek the Lord because this service, this message convicted you. And I, I invite you to come forward. I'd like the men to come this way and the women to come over here. And our lady pastors will pray with you and our men pastors will pray with you. And then when I invite you for healing, they'll be right here. All right, let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you for your grace, your truth, for revealing yourself to us. The world can't see you, but we can see you. We have no excuse for not believing you, that you will take care of us. We have no excuse for not loving you more than everything else by far. We have no excuse for not bearing our cross and following you because you've shown yourself to us. You've revealed yourself to us. It's a scary thing to say we know the truth because you are the truth, but that also makes us responsible to follow you and serve you and, and to lean not on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in every way. Lord, we thank you and praise you and we ask you to help us be good sheep and stay with the fold. Stay with the 99. Now, if that's your prayer, if you would agree with that prayer today, then I'd ask you to say amen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. 
If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.